good morning everyone hello welcome to episode two season two of our uh, podcast from uh, st mary's health and social care academy and welcome and good morning to sicily and chris and ellie who we'll introduce but Cicely's well known to all of us obviously because she is my partner on the <laughs> podcast and new term started hasn't it Cicely? so how are things going Absolutely. Yeah, Dan. So um, hi to all of our listeners out there and thanks for joining us for season two. We're really excited about some of the podcasts we've got coming up, especially today's. Yeah, good one. Uh, Super excited. Start a term. Really, really good. Doing lots of training already. Ellie attended a training session yesterday, in fact, uh, just to try and help inspire all of our learners to be taking up as much opportunity as possible and gaining as much experience. So this includes everything from becoming an NHS cadet that we talked about already um, or for instance the fact that Dan you're also part of our distinctively ambitious guest speaker runs which are happening on Monday. Distinctively ambitious oh very good it might encourage me to come back to work actually I don't know yeah I'm looking forward to it I think it'll be great I, I, what an initiative as well so I think it's going to be really exciting that way absolutely we're really excited about it so obviously Dan you're coming in as a guest speaker for our students we also have a mental health nurse we've got a pharmacist as well from the local community coming in as well as lots of varieties of other professions to get really people interested in things that they might not have been exposed to so this includes everything from act to oil businesses to advertising and marketing so lots of really different areas so perhaps Ellie's already signed up for your talk Dan and you might see her again next week as so well one of my jobs is to persuade people not to go into the oil industry is it <laughs> <laughs> she'll do my best <clears throat> Well, the students have been able to sign up for their own um, interests and things like that. And also it gives everybody a little bit of a variety. It's good to hear new things. We know that um, and how important that is. So we're really looking forward to that at St. Mary's on Monday. But in the meantime, I'd like to then introduce Ellie. Hi, Ellie. Hi. Hi. Thanks for joining us today. We really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me. So Ellie, you are interested in pursuing a career in what? Uh, Biomedical science, hopefully which is super exciting and obviously and you're doing your A-level. Range. It could be anything, couldn't it? In yeah, that's, well, that's the main reason that I kind of wanted to go into that because there's so many opportunities. If you don't like one thing, there's always another thing. <laughs> there's always another thing. And that's the reason in a way why Chris is such a great guest today because his career, um, and he'll tell us about it when he introduces himself and talks, really reflects that the possibility of that variety. I mean, it's not just about going down one road. And I think the whole idea of our pod- podcast has been to show the variety of different things that are available. So, Chris, hi, good morning to you. Do you want to tell us a little bit about your um, background and role and, and um, what you're doing at the present time? Yeah, sure. Hi, good morning. Um, my name's Chris Roberts. I originally trained as a, a, a medical microbiologist and uh, spent most of my life associated with skin. Uh, Skin in terms of the bacteriology of skin, uh, skin in terms of wound healing, which we can obviously talk a lot more about. And uh, I joined one of the large companies in in, in Hull, Smith & Nephew, who spend a lot of time partnering the the healthcare industry in many many ways. Uh, I've also Uh, in that role uh, with Smith & Nephew, spent many years, over 20 years, uh, heading up their uh, global clinical research on wound healing. 
and that involves a, a global role with lots of travel and lots of different challenges and meeting lots of different clinicians around the world. Uh, I also, uh, we can talk about later, maybe spend four years in California on a secondment uh, with tissue engineering, and that's a very exciting part of my, uh, my work. I retired in 2011, or rewired as I said previously, and uh, I've set up my own wound care consultancy now based in Hessel in Hull and help to support various clinical practices, uh, companies, uh, I do medical writing, and so I'm still busy but still now trying to get a life-work balance. Hope that helps, gives you a little flavour of the, as you said Ellie, different roles. And in life, you start in one place and you'll certainly not necessarily end up in that place. You'll, you, there are many paths that do open up, which we can maybe discuss as we move through your questions. Absolutely. I'm so excited to be able to hear more about all of your journey and everything that you did in the mix of everything. It just sounds absolutely amazing and really quite diverse as well. Ellie, did you want to start us off with your first question? Yeah. So why did you exactly choose to work in the healthcare sector? Well, once I, I'd got my degree uh, in, in Leeds, I was keen to follow up with a PhD. So I wanted to continue. Obviously, you learn for your, your degree, you learn to apply more for your, your PhD. Uh, it may not be the same in medicine, but it certainly is in some of the sciences. And uh, the Leeds General Infirmary Dermatology Department had a um, company-sponsored PhD looking at the involvement of skin bacteria in uh, acne vulgaris. So I spent uh, three years uh, working on my PhD, looking at how different bugs in diff have different roles on the skin and how they may impact in the formation of spots associated with acne. So that's, and working in that research group, there were clinicians, there were uh, biochemists, there were, uh, you know, technicians. There was a whole variety of different uh, roles within that uh, NHS department where you got to interact, you know, very closely with and appreciate the work all these different disciplines can do. Yeah, no, that's yeah interesting with all like what you did in your PhD and everything like that. But what about Hull made you want to stay there? Well, when I got the job <laughs> with Smith & Nephew, which uh, followed on from my, uh, my, my research work, my wife said, where's Hull? And uh, she's never forgiven me for losing her on the M1 as we were moving up to Hull because <laughs> she had no idea where it was. But when we moved up there, first of all, Smith & Nephew have a very close association with the healthcare professionals around, around the world. It was obviously a well-recognised company. It had lots of innovative products. And the people of Hull were, were marvellous, you know, and coming up on a working within the industry side, on a uh, family side, on a school side, never wanted to, uh, to go away and leave, you know, although we're not native to Hull, uh, we've spent uh, over 20, 30 years living in Hull and, uh, you know, we're going to remain here. It's just a wonderful, wonderful city and people, uh, you know, once, you, once you're here and understand how it all works, it's, it's fabulous. Yeah, definitely. I think that's an important point that Chris makes, Ellie, that in health and social care and health sciences, there's often not a massive advantage in working in a really big city to be perfectly honest because there's lots going on regionally and as chris says you know there are some really innovative companies working in the in the periphery and in our area particularly in yorkshire and whatever and also the need in our areas is really high as well so it, the, the people here have got 
you know, it's, it's great that people like Chris do decide to come and work here because we need people to actually further the research and develop the treatments and introduce them. So, you know, working in, if you're in, in advertising, a business, a law or whatever, the oil industry, you might be better off in a massive city, but when it's health and social care, you can carve out a fantastic career in your hometown or, you know, or regionally. That's right. I think when you're involved in clinical research as well on a global scale, the great thing is, you know, you have an airport close, you have great uh, road links. And so even though it may be a small city, as Dan said, you have global reach when you need it, you know, and that, that again has been very good for me and being able to have easy travel and, you know, get to airports that you need to get to very, very quickly. Although the 610 flight to Amsterdam, which I don't know how many times I've taken from Humberside, is usually a challenge for me getting up early. But other than that, uh, you know, that, that's, that's a good point Dan made, you know, in Hull, you can still reach the world very easily. I think as well, just circling back to what you'd said, obviously Hull being that city of culture previously, and in and of itself having its own sense of identity and cultural heritage, that Smith and Nephew as a company have been quite integrated into our current uh, city society and city culture. And I think even as you were saying, and Dan was saying, the amount of people that kind of work there or have worked there at any given point in time is quite a historical generation. Mm -hmm. No, absolutely. And I think the good thing is for Smith and Nephew as well, with the the healthcare professionals working in Hull, you have obviously a very big hospital, you have a very uh, big uh, community uh, facilities, you know, so for their wounds occur in so many different environments and certainly in Hull, accessibility to with professionals to who di- who work with wounds has been a great partnership uh, for many, many years. Absolutely. And we do hope that obviously that kind of continues and hence grows as well as wow. the changes of foot can kind of generate. Absolutely. Really interesting. And the new medical school, of course, you know, and the, well, not new now, but certainly all of that has just come together beautifully, you know, to make it, uh, you know, a very compact uh, learning environment as well. With lots of different opportunities, like you mm-hmm. said, and a broader outreach. Yeah, really interesting. Thank you. Ellie? So um, my next question is, what do you mostly enjoy about your job? Variety, uh, never a dull day. Certainly working, you know, in industry, there are many different uh, expertise you can rely on and, and contact. So as a scientist, you can branch out into, you know, regulatory discussions, into health economic discussions. Obviously, there's a clinical trial side, which I can talk a little bit about uh, if you're interested. But, yes, please. Um, okay, but I'm just saying it's um, so much uh, teamwork as well, you know, they're all coming together with a, with a focus. And when you're developing new products, you need that kind of focus and determination and skill mix, very much involving partnering the healthcare professionals at the end of the day who are treating wounds. It all, you know, makes it very, very uh, exciting. That's very much an enjoyable part of the work you do. In clinical trials, if you get a good clinical trial and the results are what you want it to be, fabulous, you know, we can all pat ourselves on the back. But as Dan knows, you know, it's not guaranteed. And so you've got to be aware as a, as a clinical trial professional that if things don't go wrong, you know, if they do go wrong and the trial doesn't hit the, uh, the objectives that you wanted it to, they're still learning from it to take you to the next kind of phase of clinical trial. So it's that interaction and that interface role with different disciplines that I enjoy very much. 
Can you give us like an example of one of your clinical trials, maybe? I mean, without bearing too many too much detail, I appreciate. Yeah, no, sure. but I think it'd be really yeah. useful for some of our, our listeners out there because we haven't had uh, somebody talk about clinical trials or the importance that they can play in medical research to be able to make a difference for future healthcare. No, sure. I mean, one of the most exciting ones was when I was in uh, California working with a company called Advanced Tissue Sciences that were growing human cells on scaffolds. And these cells were, uh, uh, they were fibroblasts, part of the skin cell matrix. They were they were grown in and, and, and frozen at minus 70 degrees centigrade and then shipped around the world to do the clinical trials. So there was enormous kind of logistics aspect of getting cells to patients. It was very early in the develop in the days of what they call tissue engineering, where you grow cells on a scaffold. And some of the wounds that these um, were put in, where uh, each trial had to tackle a different wound type. Now, you know, diabetic uh, people with diabetes sometimes have foot wounds. You know, older people with uh, circulatory product problems. I'm sorry, have. Uh, you know, leg ulcers as they call them. And these were the target indications for the uh, the technology. You'd literally ship it, frozen, thaw it out, put it in whatever wound uh, you were, you were uh, examining. And then there was a, a long follow-up period measuring how quickly those wounds healed. And for diabetic foot ulcers, for the foot wounds, they the, the product worked very well. And for the venous side, unfortunately, it didn't quite hit the endpoints that were set for the, uh, the technology. So there was, you know, um, and Clinicians were very excited at the time. This must, must have been in the, the, the late 90s, early 2000s, where these trials were taking place. You know, new technology really does excite clinicians and working together to evaluate them was a, was a great role for, for, you know, people like yourself as well in that in that environment. Was that with Smith & Nephew then that you were doing that thing, Chris? Yeah, yeah. They, and whereabouts they, in the States was it? In the uh, California, Del Mar, yeah. oh, so, okay. San Diego. Yeah. So it was a oh, tough San Diego, to go yeah. work. Yeah, no. yeah <laughs> no, what? How terrible. Yeah, but, it was. Um, I mean, whatever brand, Ellie, whatever sort of branch you're aware of, medicine or nursing or, or clinical clinical side you go into, there's always a possibility to get involved in clinical trials. Even when I was in general practice, we were involved in clinical trials then. And it requires a really highly developed set of skills because it's very highly regulated. And, and medicine, and, and in some ways, is a very inexact science. But when you're involved in clinical trials, it's really, really... You know, it's the application of very strict scientific principles under rigorous conditions. And it does require quite a developed skill set from that point of view. But as Chris alludes to, incredibly interesting and satisfying. And is a really nice, even if it isn't your principal career, it's a really nice counterbalance to the other parts of, of clinical medicine that you do. And, and the other thing I would say is that patients, in my experience, are really keen to get involved in these things. They certainly were in, in, in general practice because they felt that they might benefit from it or other people might benefit from it. So the actually recruiting of people as well, our patients, but our potential benef beneficiaries is a, is a really great thing to get involved in as well. So there's all sorts of different research and clinical trials that you can do. Some involve much more science than others. Some are more around the sort of behavioral things, but it's a huge, as wide as the spectrum of medicine and social care is, is just wide the spectrum of, of, of clinical trials and research. So it's really interesting for everybody to get involved in. Yeah, and the science side is, is really uh, important. Uh, understanding from a cellular level what is happening when you apply innovative technologies to a wound. You know, what's happening in the skin. You need experts who can understand 
skin histology and look at how the movements of different cells come in and out, how they grow, you know, the quality of the tissue they produce. And so this is where it's not just as you, uh, you know, the, from a, a microbiological side, there's the biochemical side, there's a histological expertise, and all this is brought into that team conducting, you know, the clinical trial. So uh, it certainly is teamwork, you know. I suppose as well with your sort of line of work, there's so many different routes you can take with clinical trials. It can go in so many directions. Absolutely. And I think, you know, some, I mean, wound care for me has been a real focus for clinical trials. But when I first joined with Smith and Nephew, uh, you know, Dan was talking about some of the kind of other technologies. I was involved with plaster technicians, for example, who were developing uh, from plaster, making plaster of Paris more waterproof. And that was in the, the early 80s to more, um, much better splinter materials, synthetic splinting materials. So before the wound care side, you know, I was doing lots of other things and volunteer trials, you know, seeing how sticky plasters stick and looking at forces that as you peel it off, the ouch factor, you know, and trying to quantify scientifically what that means in terms of how the patient felt and the actual peel force of taking these, you know, plasters off or dressings off. And so, uh, you know, it, you, you can branch into a whole variety of areas. I took a little bit of time off because the company offered it me to spend a little time as a marketing manager for new products where I got to try and understand the needs of customers and healthcare professionals and a couple of products that I was involved with, you know, came through to market and that was really exciting, very different. They also let me do an MBA. So again, it was something the company, because of the science side, but also another path, they said, look, you, if you're interested in this, you can broaden out your skill mix. Even as a scientist, you can go and whole business school was it was the first MBA course they, they'd run. So I actually uh, part time at nights, most of the time did a, an MBA. So, as you say, another path that you can you can take, even as a scientist, you can always go back to your science, but they may take you in other areas of business you feel more comfortable with, you know, so. Will's your oyster. Well, we've heard that phrase before as well. In okay, terms of then, right. Entering right. it. Oh, no, in a good way. I mean, <laughs> like, I think it echoes some of the former podcasts that we did have in season one, where many other professionals literally did say, the world is your oyster by entering into these careers. They offer you such diverse opportunities that you just don't know what that next step could be. And that can be really exciting, particularly in such challenging times as we have recently experienced. And I can honestly say, Chris, I am astounded at some of those resources. I never even in my head, I think, had actually recognized somebody would need to do research to make sure that plasters weren't going to hurt too much or to quantify that um, in a medical trial. And I think that that's a really brilliant way um, to look at kind of those everyday things we do take for granted. But but somebody's designed that. And Ellie, that could be you in the future. Yeah, I think you underestimate how much even the smallest of things in your life they needed to go through all these clinical trials. And it, it's just such a big part of our life now, all these clinical trials that have previously happened. Yeah, and one of the uh, hottest topics now in my world is, is what they call biofilms, where bacteria, originally we mentioned, I think, ships earlier on, or boats, I can't remember, but fouling of boats, you know, that was where bacteria in the, in the sea come together and they actually stick on the, uh, the hull of a boat and then they produce a matrix when other bacteria come and stick and you get a whole living community of bacteria uh, on the uh, on the boat and in wound care now they found even though you can't see them in a wound these communities of bacteria biofilms can grow they can produce this matrix they can all come together and they can actually prevent a wound healing 
So, you know, Smith & Nephew and other companies are looking at what they call biofilm busting technologies, where they can break up a biofilm and then use a, a an antibacterial agent to kill them. So it's, a, again, in wound care, it's one of the biggest, uh, as you say, hot topics at the moment. And uh, there's a whole concept of wound hygiene coming through, where you're looking at, you know, cleansing the wound, debriding a wound, applying an anti-biofilm agent, and then biofilm prevention, stopping it coming back. So all of that has different technologies and different scientific uh, expertises coming together to try and solve that problem. Just on the back of that, I'm assuming that this also links into things like MRSA outbreaks that might be occurring, linking into that kind of bacteria biofilm, like you'd said, and breaking that apart and therefore kind of allowing that antibacteria resistance not to happen really um because obviously you can uh, i would imagine and and excuse my science in this instance but by having all of that bacteria in one place of several different colonies that you're creating that breeding zone to be able to transfer dna and create that kind of um antibiotic resistance that could happen in those instances yeah, in countries like India, where the you know sanitary uh, operations are not that good, uh, you can get bacteria transferring uh, different genes, as you say, yeah. with different uh, elements of resistance on them. And of course, with uh, you know flights now going all around the world, bacteria can like we saw it with COVID. You know, bacteria and viruses can be carried all over the world very, very quickly. And antibiotic yeah. resistance is a big part of medicine. And Smith and Nephew, in their own way, with wounds. Uh, also have different antibacterial agents that will hit biofilms in some of their technologies and also kill bacteria very quickly in wounds. So they're all looking at this speed of kill. If you can hit them hard, hit them fast, you won't give them the opportunity to, uh, you know, develop resistance or cause an infection. So again, as part of my work as a microbiologist, I've had many years of looking at different antibacterial products yeah how they affect wound healing yeah absolutely well that's really interesting thanks chris so ali i think we're looking at biggest influences now did you have a question about that yeah so who has been the biggest influence in your career i'd call it influencers because of different roles i've I've had i mean a whole gp i don't know if you remember him dan dr peter thackeray i was a a medical oh yeah yeah i know know peter yeah yeah well peter was a medical advisor for a company i worked with initially in uh, in egham in surrey oh yeah and he was the one who took me i was running a skin biology research lab then took me into clinical trials and said look i need somebody to help me manage clinical trials so that's where i got my first change in direction from microbiology into into clinical trials and he was very influential in in mentoring me about the challenges of you know of, of clinical research He's my phd supervisor certainly was one who you know showed me how to apply uh, what i'd learned from my degree into and understanding microbiology of skin. He was a massive influence on me. In clinical trials, you get to meet all the world leaders in different areas, uh, such as diabetes, such as burns, which to me, I've specialized working, partnering with burn units for many years. And, uh, you know, they've been absolutely wonderful doctors and nurses, their patience and passion and uh, their way they have to manage these very difficult conditions is is amazing. Uh, And also uh, in biotech, working in that biotech company in California, small numbers of people, my goodness, their passion and the challenges they 
you know they faced and how they overcome challenges was absolutely fantastic so as i say there are many influences and that have affected where i've been at different times um, i think the other thing as well um ellie is and and it comes through from what chris is saying is that in all these places that he's worked and the people he's met there's an overriding desire and passion and, and commitment to solve problems that people have on a population but so you think well isn't it it's great that people are actually applying so much in the way of science and knowledge and techniques and skills and resources to solve these major problems because if they didn't do it who would do it so the companies like smith and nephew have been going and i'm just using them as an example rather than to sort of promote them but just use them as an example a company that's been in existence for many 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 years and decades like Reckitt and coleman's but records but throughout their history been absolutely dedicated to solving major problems and that's what the biomedical industry does so as a doc as an individual doctor nurse health and social care professional you would be helping to solve an individual's problems but when it's when it comes to developing solutions to population based health problems it needs a huge team of people uh, but fundamentally they've got to have the desire to do it and it's not just driven from an economic point of view i we feel the need to make money it's it's from a sort of fundamental desire to deal with a problem that is a really difficult one and and so for a young you know for a young student like you who's thinking of going into it there couldn't be a more important thing to be involved in it's you know it's absolutely fun it's not about making money it's about absolutely changing people's lives on a huge population and particularly from the skin thing you know if you if if someone's got skin problems are obviously really long standing difficult to deal with very complicated and can cause a major impact on people's lives and so whether it's an infection or an allergy or a wound or whatever it is so solutions to them are really vitally important so and i think that's i think it from that point of view it, it it's critical and with one big part of what i have done in the past is working partnering with clinicians setting up educational symposia with them presenting to them about different innovative technologies so you have that kind of partnership and it is a true partnership of exchanging you know the scientific aspects of things to their clinical interpretation and that is very rewarding you know it i've managed to go all over the world giving talks and i think that uh, you know is something that uh, i'll never forget in terms of what i learned and how that knowledge is you know translated by experts uh, in in many many different countries that that again is is a great you know that transfer and interaction between a scientist and a and a clinician is is a wonderful kind of experience to uh, to go through thanks chris i think that kind of really highlights that idea of multidisciplinary practice and how the exchange of specialities can really improve health and social care services that are made available and obviously treatments as well. Ellie? So leading on what Dan was saying, what would you say would be the most pressing health care issue today? Well, I had to think about this because I did get that question in advance. <laughs> I wanted to keep it nice and tight and short. So I think I've come up with four things, I think. We're all getting older and you can see from my white hair, we're getting to a stage where the older population is going to put huge strains on the uh, the NHS. And, you know, wound care is from, from my kind of area is going to be you know huge in terms of how it manages people with wounds. And at the moment, I think two, two to three percent of the uh, 
NHS budget is devoted to, to wound care. So it's going to get more and more and more. And how the healthcare system fits up, fits itself, shapes itself with these demographics all heading in, you know, increases in, in the older populations is going to be, a, I think, a huge challenge. I think preparing for epidemics is going to be uh, another interesting area where science will meet medicine and getting ahead of the game because there will be future pandemics. I think what I learned from that is what the scientists learned from SARS and translated that into the speed of developing vaccines. You know, it's absolutely amazing. So you can take knowledge from years ago, 10, 15 years ago, and allow those vaccine developments to really uh, speed up. And I think that's been brilliant. I think last two, investing, I think, in training of more healthcare professionals. Obviously, there's a need, you know, with, with all of these things coming into the NHS and with the COVID, catching up with COVID. You know, there's a need for more training of doctors, nurses, other healthcare professionals. Uh, and, you know, in the biomedical sciences is like you want to go into, there'll be lots of, I think, areas where, you know, training to do different things within the NHS is another opportunity you, you'll obviously consider as well. And then just utilising modern technologies, you know, the things we think of um, as modern, I think when you see what's coming through in the future, it's going to be absolutely amazing in terms of what you can do to even the most severe conditions. And I think that is going to be getting those newer technologies out quicker through clinical trials quicker and into commercialization quicker with all the regulatory constraints, as Dan mentioned earlier, you know, that's a real that's a real challenge, you know, and that's something where science and medicine come together again. So those are my four hot topics, I think. (laughs) (laughs) I like that you broke it down and, 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 you know, I think it does really cover a lot of those big issues that are out there that you know professionals are tackling and trying to plan ahead to be able to help support the healthcare systems in the future as much as we're currently supporting those needs as of right now as well and I think it's one of those reasons why we were so we're such advocates of the medical health and social care academy because we are trying to be able to help support students with those opportunities to really feed that workforce all the way through Um, and we've got many a graduate now currently employed as working professionals in Hull and we're really proud proud of that um, and can't wait for those to possibly happen in the future LA you can come yeah, back and uh, touch on that saying that with the health and social care society it helped me understand what I actually want to do I came in with many many jobs and it's helped as I've gone through the year it's helped me narrow down what I actually want to do and in the end it's I've come to biomedical science which I didn't really know what it was before I actually went to the training sessions and the talks oh, I'm really glad to hear that because I think that's exemplary of the program itself because you you have had those opportunities to look into those different careers and really find out what it's like and today's just another example of helping you find out way more than I think we ever anticipated today Chris so thank you I'm enlightened already and hopefully our listeners out there are feeling the same and maybe a little bit inspired too so I think that leads us into our last question really nicely yes what is one piece of advice you would give someone based on your experience where you start is not necessarily where you finish and there's lots of paths that will open up along that journey so you know be aware of uh, taking risk and if you you know feel you want to go and and you're little unsure but it's something that you feel you you could do do it i mean uh, at the end of the day you know your scientific knowledge will be you know much appreciated as we talked about in many different areas and you know those paths you have chance to kind of assess and in industry for me it just shows how you can move in different directions you know over 28 years with Smith and Nephew I think at the end of the day 
but in different, I've had three different locations I've worked in. I've had a number of different roles and, you know, I still am very much interested in, in wound care and have decided to get a life work balance, but do some consultancy work at the end of the day. And I think it's uh, that that road. I look forward to hopefully some feedback of way, where it takes you as well, uh, Ellie. Hopefully. <laughs> It'll take you somewhere, that's for sure. And I'm sure you'll enjoy what you're doing. Yeah, absolutely. Well, guys, thanks for listening today and thanks for coming out and sharing all of your stories and finding out a little bit more about the diverse careers that biomedical science can lead you in. Yeah, thanks, thanks so much, everybody. Nice to see you, Ellie, as well. See you again. Might see you next week when I've come to do the, the talk. Distinctively ambitious. Distinctively <laughs> ambitious. That's right. Good. Great. <laughs> See you thanks later, everybody. Then. Okay then, thanks a lot. Okay, bye. <laughs>